preaching out of Daniel, the fifth chapter. Very familiar set of scriptures. I think every minister has preached it at one point in time or another. Everyone except for me, I've never preached on it. <laughs> Daniel, the fifth chapter, starting out with verse number one through verse number six. chapter, starting out with verse number one, the Bible says, Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and the silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his, uh, his princes his wives and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought out the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple, the house of God, which was at Jerusalem. And the king and his princes and his wives and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver and of brass and of iron and of wood and of stone. And the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance was changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his loins were loosed, and his knees smote one against another. Most gracious and loving Heavenly Father God, I love you. Lord, I'm so thankful for another opportunity to be able to preach this gospel behind the pulpit. Lord, I ask you, God, that you'll hide me behind the cross, that you'll send down the preacher. Lord, let me get out of the way. Lord, I ask you to give me wisdom of speech, God. I ask you to touch and anoint the hearts of the congregation that they may receive, Lord, what you would have them to receive. I love you and I praise you, Lord, and I thank you. And we all say in the name of Jesus, Amen. I want you to know when I read over this set of scriptures, it does a little something to you when you know a little bit of the background of Belshazzar and what happened to his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar. Belshazzar, he was the grandson of the great king Nebuchadnezzar. He, Belshazzar was the last king to the Babylonian Empire. He had a lot to live up to. I want you to know his grandfather made statues of himself. So he could probably walk out there in the garden and look at the statues and be under the shadow of his grandfather. He had some big and mighty shoes to fill. He had a legacy that he must indeed try to measure himself up to. Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the temple over in Jerusalem in 586 B.C. Took all the sacred vessels out took all the sacred artifacts out and brought them back to Babylon. Now the king's throwing a party. It says for a thousand of his lords. They're drinking wine and he's, he, he has his concubines laid out out there and his wives laid out out there. And they're pouring in the golden vessels. And he's trying to be the life of the party. He lived a life. 
handed to him on his grandfather's dime. He lived a life on a silver platter. And I see a lot of my friends that I grew up with today. And you had a lot of people you grew up with today. That seems like they just had life handed to them. It seems like their parents had it all figured out for them. They had thousands of acres of farmland. They had houses. And they had rent houses. And society today, they're selling those out there. A bill of goods. Saying that they can live out their own lives with their own desires. They can live out their lives with their own self-ambitions. They can make their own decisions. And they can make their own choices. All free of all consequences. Free to live a life the way they see fit. And as we always hear it, they can live their best life now. A man can live a life revolving all the way around himself. He can build a life. He can build a lifestyle. He can make a legacy for himself. Build dreams. We've all done it at one point in time in our life or another. When it's all about me, myself, and I. No morals for some of those out there. Their foundation of the morality that they live in was so polluted. They was rose up not like some of us, absent from the presence of God. They rose up, they didn't have no respect for anybody. They don't have to give an answer to anybody. No regards of all their choices and all their decisions. Some of them have five, ten children, never seen them, never paid a dime in child support to them, all because they didn't have to give an account for the life that they lived. Parents raising children nowadays with no thought of right, no thought of what's wrong or what's best for the children anymore. Raising children, bringing them up, Giving them sick delusions that society feeds them. They're twisted up and they're thinking. They're confused what reality really is. Their moral compass, it's broken. When I get online and I look on YouTube and I know here in Jackson County we're so blessed. We got the presence of God here. We got good, Holy Ghost filled men and women of God that stand up in the classrooms, that stand up as principals, that stand up for the morals and the values of God. But not everybody in America is as blessed as we are here in Jackson County. You can look over there in New York. You can look over there in California. And I want you to know the moral values of those children in those schools and those schools are G-O-N-E. They are gone. They never had a pillar. They never had an example. They never had the Spirit of God move on them like our children having as an ability to feel that presence of God and see an example of God in their life. Children, parents are raising them up as a cultural statement to be whatever is acceptable in the society so they won't stand out to be the latest trend, to be the latest fashion show. Children, they can be whoever they want to be these days. No consequences, no repercussions. They can do and they can be whatever they feel like they want to be. No discipline, no punishment, no respect for authorities any longer, no boundaries in their life. 
still has himself a people. In here, God has still called us out of darkness unto his marvelous light. In here, God still is telling them to come out from among them. You don't talk like them. You don't walk like them. You don't do like they do. Act like they do. Why? Because the Spirit of God dwells inside of you. He leads you and he molds you into the shape of the image of the Son of God. That's God's love for you. That's God's option for his children to continue to work on them, a work in progress all the days of their life to continue to move them more to look like the son of the living God. His ways, the Bible says, as high as the heavens are from the earth are God's ways higher than our ways. And God's thoughts are, are much higher than our thoughts. And in other places, says His ways are so much farther past than what we can ever find out the way God does things. We still serve a God that demands that every woman, every man, every child, when they come to the understanding of morality, must give an account unto God for all our choices. For all the way that we live our lifestyles, as we as example, still got to give an account unto the Lord. The Bible says, let every man that nameth the name of the Lord, that we as children of the living God must depart from all iniquity. Why? Because it's our obligation unto God that we be decent, God-fearing, holy human beings. And that we raise up our children to be decent, God-fearing, holy human beings. To be able to pour God's morals and be able to pour God's values to install them in their life. There is nothing done in the dark that will not be brought to life. There is nothing that is hidden that won't be revealed. There's no stone that's ever going to be left unturned. No secret that won't be told. And there is no deed, no matter how much we try to hide it, that shall not, it shall not be overlooked. The Bible says that Christ, he has an all-seeing eye. Revelation says it's like a flame of fire. Because that eye, it judges the motives and the intents, the intentions of our heart. We serve a God who knows. A God who knows how to get our attention. A God who knew how to get my attention. A God who knows how to put this man in his place so I can see God eye to eye. A God who knows what arrangements must take place in life. A God who knows what events must come to pass. A God who knows the tragedies that must come our way to get our eyes to a place that we can see, to get our ears to a place that we can hear what saith the Lord. We serve a God that knows how to get man's attention. Just because we skated through life sometimes, just because we seem to already, we got away with it so long, this far, just because God hasn't already killed me for all the dirty, nasty deeds that I've done in my life and put me down in the dirt. Just because God is patient. 
had everything handed down to them. Having good health and having good wealth and enjoying that better life now. That reminds me of Abraham. It says that rich man when he died, he opened up his eyes in the flame of fire and he cried out. And he said, Abraham, Abraham, will you dip your finger in a glass of water and put a drop of water on my tongue? And Abraham said, I cannot. He said, because you have received the good things in this life and Lazarus the evil things. Sometimes we make it through life by the skin of our teeth and we're still kicking and we're still walking around and we're building a life for ourselves. Only worrying about ourselves. We've always, some of us, always kept a good job. We always kept a nice house, nice automobiles. Some of us got a truck and a car, a boat, a four-wheeler. I want you to know we, we can accommodate some nice things in life. We kept a wife. We got good kids. Matter of fact, I even got a dog that my neighbor probably likes. You know, sometimes we can acquire some good things in life. We built a life for ourselves, a good life when people look at it. Got a wife and a family. Got a house and a two-car garage. I want you to know we can build some stuff up for ourselves. Build a life all by ourselves. A little, a little kingdom. Build yourself a little legacy. Perhaps you got a torch that you can pass down for your children. Or maybe you've just been really blessed and you can give it to your children's children. Build a legacy. All without the hand of God in your life. Build a legacy all without the presence of the morals of God in your children's life. Children, you robbed from the presence of God. We gotta understand that it's God that builds up and it is God that tears down. It's God who rises up and it is God who brings the fall. And as Job says, it is God who gives, and it is God who takes away. Whoever shall exalt himself shall be humbled, and whoever shall humble himself shall be exalted. Proverbs 16, 8 said, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Belshazzar, the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, Bel had a good life given to him. On a silver platter. He had power and he had authority. He had a throne. He had a kingdom. Matter of fact, he's the last kingdom of the Babylonian Empire. He had reverence. I want you to know men, they hung on every word that came out of his mouth. He had power. And when you see Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, he ruled like no other. He had an iron fist. A man who was feared more than all the other kings, it seems like, in the Bible. But gave honor and glory to the work of his own hands. His pride and his arrogance of his power. The Lord knew exactly how to break him. Bring him down low. Bring him to a place of clarity. A place that he can contemplate on the way that he was living. On the actions that he was taking. God knew how to get his attention. 
God gave him dreams that troubled him. He lost his peace. He was probably losing his sanity. These dreams were bothering him. So he called the wise men of Babylon. It said he called the magicians and the astrologers and the soothsayers and probably the warlocks and the witches and the Chaldeans and anybody else that can conjure something up out of a soup bowl. He wanted somebody to give him some answers, but none could. And finally, it came down to Daniel. Daniel could give him an answer unto the dreams that he was having. Daniel said, the tree that you saw, King Nebuchadnezzar, this tree grew to the heavens, strong in the sight of all the earth. Leaves were fair, fruit as much meat for all to eat. It says the beasts of the fields and the fowls of the air, they all lived there. It says, King, you grew up and you had power. He said, you had the greatness of dominion in all the earth. But old King, you saw the Holy One. It said he was coming down out of heaven. He said, cut the tree down, but leave the root and leave the stumps. He said, you shall be wet with the dew, and you shall be over there with the beast of the field. Daniel said, this is the decree of the Most High that shall drive you from men and shall be with the beast of the field and shall eat grass like an oxen. And the dew will wet you. Seven times shall pass over you until you know the most high rules in the kingdom of men. And that he gives it to whomsoever that he will. Daniel told him to break it off. Break off your sins. Repent. Be merciful to the poor and do that which is right. Twelve months went by. Twelve months as Daniel already interpreted this dream for King Nebuchadnezzar. And it says, I'm sure he might have threw it over to the side of his mind. It didn't bother him so much anymore. And it says that the king spoke. I'm assuming that he was looking out over Babylon on how beautiful it was and the, and the place that he had built up. It says, is this not great Babylon that I have built for the house and the kingdom by my own might and my own power and honor of my own majesty. And the Bible said that the words hadn't even left his mouth yet. He spoke these things. They weren't even all the way out. And there was a voice that interrupted him and said the words, O King Nebuchadnezzar. And it repeated exactly what Daniel told him in the interpretation of the dream. In that same hour, it was fulfilled that Nebuchadnezzar, his mind, it got flipped off just like a light switch. It said they gave him a mind of a beast. He started eating grass like an oxen. It said his body was wet with the dew out there. His hair got so jacked up and so nappy, it looked like eagle feathers, it says. And it says that his hands, that the nails that grew on his hands, they looked like bird claws. And it said seven years, seven years, this man waited out there and lived like an oxen out there in a, past, in a pasture eating grass. A man that lost his mind before the whole entire world at the time. Oh, oh, crazy King Neb out there eating, eating grass like an oxen. It said after seven years, he lifted up his eyes unto heaven. And it said, 
said, Now I kneel. I praise and exalt and honor the King of Heaven and all whose work or truths his ways, judgment, and those who walk in pride that he is able to abase. So Belshazzar, his grandson, the king that is without excuse, the king that had God demonstrate his powerful hand as an example in his family tree, a God that moved so hard on his grandfather that was out there that lost his mind for seven years. I assure you that Belshazzar heard the stories. I assure you that his grandfather forgot to meet him a little bit. He said that God humbled me. And this is the very same God that humbled his grandfather. That his grandfather destroyed the temple and took the sacred vessels out of. This very same God that humbled him to a beast and turned his mind off, turned him into a circus freak out there as a demonstration of the power of God until he came to his senses and gave God all the glory. Now he thinks it's a good idea since the Medes and the Persians are out there beating against the wall trying to overthrow his, his kingdom. That now... He wants to throw a party. He done lost his mind. Oh, talking about spool. Oh, talking about somebody that's living in his grandfather's shadow. Thinking that he is untouchable. So he thought it was a good idea to call against the Lord God Almighty and tell him go and get those sacred vessels. We're fixing to drink some wine out of it and we're going to get some crazes in the bell. I want to know who could possibly think that this was a good idea. Who could possibly conjure this up after he knew the stories that the Lord God Jehovah humbled his grandfather. Now all of a sudden that he wanted to drink wine out of those sacred vessels. And since he took those sacred vessels and he began to give a toast to the gods of gold and of silver and of brass and of wood and of stone. And he knew how to throw a party. Until... The fingers of God, the fingers of a man's hand appeared, began to write on the wall. It says the king's countenance was changed. It says his thoughts, they began to trouble him. It says the joints of his loins were loosed. It says his knees smote one against another. I want you to know he ain't ever seen nothing like this. And nobody at that kingdom has ever seen a hand of God write something on the wall in front of them. God knows how to break up that party. I want you to know when you're living life and life seems good and you think that you're untouchable. I want you to know God knows how to get your attention. God knows how to bring you to a place that you can have clarity of thought to examine your lifestyle and your choices all because he brought you to a place and wanted you to meet him. The kings began, he said the king began to tremble. He knew he messed up. He knew when that hand appeared to write against him on the wall that he was in trouble. It says his knee was knocking all that good wine. And now if he was drinking Jack Daniels and Buck and everything else, whatever he was drinking on, I want you to know that hand of God sobered him right up. He was worried about what was going on. If you think about it for a minute, can you imagine 
If you're at this party and there's a thousand people there and a hand of God shows up and starts writing something on the walls, the party is over. The musicians, they stop playing their instruments. They're pulling the chords out of the wall, their guitars, the drummers putting the sticks up. The dancers are climbing down off that table. Why? Because they don't want to be there no more. They never seen nothing like this. This party is over. Most people, most people forget. And most Christians forget. They don't comprehend the reality that God really is in control of everything. God really is in control of every event in this world that takes place. He either allows it or he does not allow it. Every circumstance that ever happened to you in your life was God allowing or not allowing that to happen in your life. All the catastrophes in life, the earthquakes, the pestilence, all the wars and the famines and everything under the sun, all was allowed by God. He could have stopped any single one of them, but God allows it. Every kingdom and every nation that has ever rose to power, God is the one that rises them, and it is God is the one that makes them fall. No man can stay God's hand. No man can stop that power that is to be. Doesn't matter what position in your life you think you are. It doesn't matter who in life you think you are. It doesn't matter who your mama is, who your daddy is, who your grandfather, just like Nebuchadnezzar was. It doesn't matter who you think you are in life. God doesn't care how much you think that you're untouchable. How untouchable you see yourself. If God will humble a king, God will humble a president. If God will humble a kingdom, God will humble a nation. It is God that raises them up. And it is God is the one that's going to bring them down low. Proverbs 14.34 says righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Whenever people hear this, it kind of goes through their mind real quick. But I want you to know there's no middle ground in this verse. God, it says righteousness exalts a nation. Righteousness. There's no middle ground when it says sin is a reproach to any people. You either want God's blessing in your life, you want God's blessing in your nation, or you want God's judgment in your life, or you want God's judgment in your nation. Psalm says a nation that forgets God. It says that the wicked, the wicked shall be turned into hell. So we won't be blind to our surroundings. That's why man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So when we look around, we ain't got to be ignorant of our, our, our environment. We, got, we can look around and we can see through our spiritual lens what God is trying to show us. We ain't got to be blind to the morals of our society. There is indeed a handwriting on the wall right here in America. We're seeing things we've never seen before. Some people, they hate to discuss it. Some people willfully choose to ignore it. Why? Because it makes you feel uncomfortable when we talk about things. 
Some people willfully, willfully will get angry with you if you try to talk to them about the things going on around this nation. But nobody with a half a mind wants to see Romans chapter number one unfold and start living a reality anywhere in this nation. But that's what we see. The Bible says when they don't want to retain the knowledge of God. When they knew not, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were they thankful, but they became vain in their imagination. The Bible says that God, it gives them over to uncleanness to dishonor their own bodies. It says that God gave them up to vile affections. That God gives them up to a reprobate mind, a useless mind. Gives them over. And we see it. It's not so much around here, but when you get online and you get to looking around and you watch other states on how things are going in the schools and you look at the White House and you look at the Congress and you look at the courthouse and all the new laws, you can see it. Mentally sick laws going forth. Mentally crippled moral values going on out there. It gives them over it. They're consumed by their sexual perversions. Making laws to protect their sexual perversions. Give them over. They're mentally unstable. When it comes to what is acceptable in society on what is right and what is wrong. They're mentally blind to the fact on what is acceptable. Woe unto them who call good evil and evil good. You've never seen a society. I'm 42 years old as of today. 42 today. And I have never seen a, our society in the condition and the shape that it's in right now. And everything seems like it started changing probably about seven, eight years ago. They really, they really put on the gas. And all of a sudden, stuff that we said that would never come to pass, it came to pass. You've never seen a society like this before. You have never seen sickness on the level that it's at right now. We have never seen laws as warped as they are right now. We have never seen a generation that is blind as the one that is coming up. Amen. You have never seen a plague of perversion sweep across the nation ever in your life. As old as you may be, you have never seen it pushed the way that it is pushed Right now, schools, you've never seen schools act like they do, like they are in the nations right now. Pushing for children to become homosexuals, transgenders, lesbians, schools making safe places for them, laws pushing it, doctors trying to give them drugs to, to, to withhold all their hormone treatments. We've never seen nothing like this before indoctrinating our kids. No wonder everybody wants a private school these days. The public schools and other places is an absolute nightmare to send your children indoctrinating, indoctrinating the next generation. When a society willfully nominates a trans man on the swimming team and gives them the Woman of the Year Award, for dominating the woman's swim team. Something is going on. Something is wrong in our society. When you have a society willfully nominating a trans man on gender 
something is wrong with society. When a society cheers and they applaud it and they send gifts and they send gift cards and presents to Good Morning America for their guest of honor, they prance out a little boy named Desmond. He's 11 years old and he's a drag queen. They dress him up like a prostitute. They let him flaunt it all around the stage. They cheer him on as he's dancing for them. He looks like a sex symbol for a pedophile. And they praise the little boy's father for encourage him to dress him up like a little girl. When they give you praise for such an evil act, something is going on and something is wrong in our society. They need to put that man in jail for child abuse. Something's wrong with our society's minds. Whenever they take God and they want to rip him out of schools and courthouses and off the billboards. And matter of fact, when I went to the, the hotel a couple weeks ago, I told my wife I was digging around in there looking for a Gideon Bible. And I prayed that somebody just stole it because it wasn't there. Schools across America promoting children to act this way. Molestation skyrocketing. Murder skyrocketing. I want you to know pedophilia is higher right now than it has ever been. Roe versus Wade is the biggest victory that we had in 50 years, it seems like, in the, in the moral realm, the spiritual realm. Thank God for that. But I want you to know there's a society out there that they're rioting and throwing bricks and they're, they're whooping folks all because we put restrictions on how they can't kill their children. Something is wrong with our society. It's done no longer in the dark. It's done no longer in a closet. They drag it right out there in the middle of the street in the light of the day. And a society as warped as it is gives them praise for it. They want to redefine humanity, redefine marriage, redefine gender pronouns, redefine male and female, redefine morality, redefine what is good and what is evil. And they want to redefine what a Christian is on our moral values, on judgments that we take place, on, on holiness of God, even how we even get saved. They want to redefine who Jesus is. I even see some of them say Jesus was a homosexual and that God would accept you any way you come forth. I want you to know, as warped as that may sound, there's a society out there that's coughing it up. So we see that there is a handwriting on the wall here in America. We see things ain't like they used to be. Morals are being stripped from the roadways, from the schoolhouses, from the courthouses. Something is going on. And Belshazzar, on his writing on the wall, it says that he calls the astrologers, the soothsayers, the Chaldeans, the wise men, all to read this writing that's on his wall. He said, whoever interprets it, I'll make him the third ruler over the kingdom. And none could interpret it. It says that his, 
His mother, the queen, says there was a man named Daniel that interpreted a lot of stuff for your grandfather. Let's call him. They called Daniel. Well, let's read it. Verse number 17 says, Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let thy gifts be to you, or let, let thy gifts be to yourself. And the reason why Daniel said that, because that king wouldn't be around long enough to be able to hardly give him anything. He said, Let thy gifts be to thee, and give thy reward to another. Yet I will read the writing unto the king, and make known to him the interpretation. O thou king of the most high God, gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor. And for, for the majesty that he gave him, all people, nations, languages, trembled and feared before him, whom he would slay and whom he would keep alive, whom he would he set up and whom he would put down. But when his heart got lifted up and his mind hardened in pride, and he was disposed from the kindly throne, or the kingly throne. And they took his glory from him. And he was driven from the sons of men. And in his heart he was made like a beast. And his dwelling was with the wild asses. And they fed him with grass like an oxen. And his body was wet with the dew of the heavens. Till he knew that the most high God of the kingdom of men that he would appoint over whomsoever he will. And this his son, O Belshazzar, has not humbled thy heart, though thou knewest all this, but has lifted up thy, thyself against the Lord of heavens. And thou have brought the vessels of the house before thee, that, that thou the lords and thy wives and thy concubines have drank wine before them. And thou hast praised the gods of silver, and of gold, and of brass, and of iron, and of wood, and of stone, which see not, nor hear, nor know, and the God on whose hand thy breath is, and whose all thy ways hast thou not glorified. Then was the part of the hand sent from him, and this writing was written. And this is the writing that was written many, many to kill Farson. This is the interpretation. Many, God has numbered thy kingdom and finished it. To kill, thou art weighed in the balance, and thou art found wanting. Paris, thou kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Thou commanded Belshazzar, and they clothed Daniel with scarlet, and put chains of gold about his neck, and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be a third ruler in the kingdom. And in that night was Belshazzar, Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, slain. Many, many to kill a farce is what the writing said on the wall. God hath numbered thy kingdom and he finished it. Thou hast been weighed in the balance and found wanting. The kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. If y'all don't take anything else out of this message, know that God, God allowed Nebuchadnezzar to stay in the condition that he was in till he knew that the Most High God ruled in the kingdom. 
of men, and that God, that he appointed over whomsoever that he will, out of all the governments, out of all of our leaderships, out of all the elections, all that crookedness we accuse them of, everything else that's going on under the sun, remember that it is God, it is God who allows whom to rise up, and it is God who makes them fall. To bring about his will one way or another. Unto peace and safety. As us blessed Christians love. Or judgment and lawlessness. As we don't want to see. Nothing is by accident in this life. Nothing catches God off guard. We misunderstand most of the time the will of God. On things that must come to pass in order for the end to come. There is a handwriting on the wall. Second Timothy says in the last days, perilous times they will come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, bolsters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, false accusers, incontinent. They didn't have no self-control. Fierce, haters of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. And having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. That's going to happen in the last days, saith the Lord. Jesus said there be wars and rumors of wars. Nation against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. Famines and pestilences and earthquakes. And all these are just beginnings of sorrow. I assure you that we have not seen nothing yet. 2 Corinthians 7.14 We know how to delay the hand of God. It says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble thyself and pray, seek my face, and turn from your wicked ways. When you repent, you seek his face. He says, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. God's good to us. We're blessed. We pray that God's hand be a blessing to America. But I assure you, America needs to be blessing God. That's all I have tonight. Does anybody need prayer?